Jose Comics. To my right, AP18 himself. Alex, how you doing? Hello, everybody. I'm doing well. To my left, G Dub himself. Garrett, how you doing? Doing good. My name is Marvin. Welcome to the Wednesday Comics Podcast. As always, I'm going to tell you about some comic books uh, that are coming out this week of uh, September, September uh, 21st and 22nd. The last full week of September. I feel like we just rolled into September. Now we're rolling into October. Spooky season is officially in progress. <laughs> and and because of that, today we will be uh, playing a game. Uh, spooky game. And uh, we'll also review some comic books that came out last week. And also talk about the final issue in our book club. Uh, New X-Men by Grant Morrison and uh, Frank Quitely. And then some couple of guest artists for that annual on the last issue. Uh, volume 1, E is for Extinction. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up here. But before we get to that, Alex, you know, sometimes, and I told you guys uh, that I had fired uh, our uh, receptionist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it. Kara, uh, because we had a voicemail that sat for a month and she didn't tell me about it. Well, very luckily, the new uh, Alexa... Uh, uh, our new uh, I'm gonna say intern, but she's not. I'm gonna hire her on full, just so you guys know. I didn't, well, we were gonna talk about it in the meeting this week, but I decided just to let you guys know I'm gonna hire her on full time because uh, she actually uh, got me the voicemail that came in yesterday. So let's go ahead and listen to this. Sergeant America coming at you. Boom! Hope you guys are enjoying your time. Uh, I've been a little behind on your shows. I uh, hope you don't mind. Uh, but, you know, to make it up to you, I am taking Alex's pick of a book. I'll be, I know I'm a little late to the book club, uh, but I cannot wait for Alex's pick. This book is going to be awesome. I mean, remember, how can you go wrong? You know, I, I had to spend a little extra to get this, but I'm totally sure it's going to be worth it. Uh, excuse me if you hear a bit of an echo. I'm in my uh, comic cave. Uh, as you know, it's my bathroom, you know, uh, but I can't wait for this book, you know, uh, you know, sit here in the comic cave. I'm just expecting a turd. Uh, but I, I know this book, this book is going to be amazing. But this book won't stink. Stink half as bad as what, what it is like in here. So, uh, once again, I want to thank Alex for the pick. Uh, you know, I know I'm way behind. I'll get this read. Then I'll get on to whoever's book is next. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. You guys never steer me wrong. America. That's there you go, Sarge. Uh, he's a little behind, Alex. He's going to start with your pick and uh, go through that. How can you go wrong with Rick He says. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yeah, I never thought it would happen, but it did. <laughs> so uh, he'll be diving into uh, that book. The The good thing is, for him, uh, it's only, was it four issues or five? Four ridiculously long issues. Yeah, it seemed like five. It actually seemed like ten, to be honest. But the first two are oversized, so that might be why. Oh, were they okay? That's probably why. Yep. Uh, well, I said ten issues, so that doesn't explain the ten, but it explains the uh, five uh, thing I said beforehand. So, um, uh, today I actually I I wanted to talk to you guys about uh we every year talk about uh, Halloween candy and all the stores. Right now, Alex, you would know. Uh, Halloween candy is out there in abundance. Um, is it just me, or they got uh, candy gotten cheaper? Well, I don't know. If the thing, I don't know if I think candy's gotten cheaper. I think it's just gotten to be. Uh, we're finally getting close to almost feeling like regular people again. Uh, we don't care how much shit costs. We're gonna buy it. I swear, I saw like a bag of candy five bucks, which normally a bag of candy is like almost eight nine. 
like those Dang, sponge uh, sizes. You know, uh, well, well, now you say that, Alex. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just saw someplace that had it on sale. But my thought was when I first saw it for that amount, I was like, oh, they probably didn't good do didn't do good last year in order to kind of uh, make this year like people want to get into it. They have to make a easy. Uh, selling point with the candy, and then they can go back to raising the price when everybody's back. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I will say the caliber of Halloween candy has improved. Uh, have you guys tried the Snicker pumpkins yet? Nope. They're legit just pumpkins. Like chalk, sorry. Legit chocolate. It's a normal Snickers, but in the shape of a pumpkin. But two, and I'm putting up two fingers, as much as chocolate in each Snickers bite. Whoa. To make the pumpkin. And it's Whoa. phenomenal. Yeah. You know what, everyone? You heard last year's show. The number one candy out there is Reese's Pumpkins. Because they're so fat and thick, you want them in your mouth. That's all you need to be sold on. I'm telling you, though. this is. I think you got to try it. You, your fatness and thickness might change for this one product. It's also got nuts in it, so why not? Exactly. Waterfalls of caramel. I just am now disappointed because originally you said it's made from real pumpkin, and then you switched and said chocolate. So, what? It's a chocolate bar. Well, I thought it was pumpkin. All of a sudden, you got me excited. It's in the shape of a pumpkin. Why you get those ever... marshmallow cream pumpkin thingies? Oh, that uh, my son got those tonight, which is why I'm bringing this up, and uh, he didn't enjoy them. Uh, he thought he might, but uh, he will, well, he'll tell you disgusting. So, um. Is there, a, is, there, is there a pumpkin flavored candy? Uh, the pumpkin peanuts that are like the fluffy. Uh, it's like a, it's not a gummy per se. Yeah. I don't even know. Are they, like the circus peanuts you get, the orange ones? Yeah, those. Good yeah. God. Forget like I the said, Jiffy. Forget I said it. Jiffy. What? Those are pumpkin. Those are disgusting. <laughs> Hey, maybe you and your uh, which which son didn't like the my older son. Okay, well maybe you guys are just on the same side. Candy of corn sucks pumpkin. too. I don't care what anybody says. I agree. What? It's the literally no. the worst thing. Guys, I had I had one peeps. I had one candy corn object this weekend, and it was like a candied apple caramel one. I took one bite. I was like, oh, this isn't bad. Took the second bite. I thought, this is shit. That's all it's good for, Alex. I literally was about to say, I all, every year I'm like, man, maybe I'll like it this year. And I have one. I'm like, hey, it's not bad. And then by taking the second one, it's fucking done. You're going to have one. <laughs> then the human body rejects it after one. <laughs> I, I liked, like, I literally like the first bite and then the rest. Like, if I just bit it in half and spat it out, I'd be content. <laughs> like, if they were trying to torture me. They would fill a room full of candy corn and be like, okay, to leave this room, you have to eat your way out. And I just would die in there, I guess. I <laughs> I'll tell you out. whatever the hell you want to know. Get the shit out of my way. <laughs> I'd rather have the room filled with peeps, like you were just saying, Garrett, and get out of there eating the peeps. Even though I hate that, too. Hey, I, can, I can at least stand eating peeps. I think peeps is mostly air. And so, yeah, like it's easy to get through. <laughs> it's like breathing. I like it. <laughs> Sugared air. Hmm. Uh, you know what? Let's start with this game. Here's a little uh game I put together. Here's the theme song. Oh, probably would help if I turned it up.
that's the opening theme for Suspiria. But the thing we're going to talk about today, and and I went back and forth tonight thinking whether or not this is Halloween related. And I think it is. I think it is. Um, uh, cryptozoology, we've talked about it numerous times in the show. We've had fireside chats about it. And uh, uh, I believe those kind of Bigfoot, you know, Loch Ness, whatever. Uh, Alex, name another one. Uh, Chupacabra. Chupacabra, things like that. Pisa Bray Road. Wow, yeah, so I think these things I th- feel like, even though they are year-round, they are kind of a mystical, kind of spooky, and I think it fits within the season. So I found this quiz. It is, uh, how many questions is this guy? Who knows? Uh, it says it should take six minutes for a normal human being, which means uh, with Garrett involved, it might take 27. So, wow, uh, <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> but... In the spirit of of keeping things uh, friendly, I'm going to ask both of you the same question, like, and you guys are going to answer together um, in a little game we like to call Are You Hundo? So uh, here we go. I'll ask Alex. <laughs> Garrett has to, if nobody's ever heard us play this game before, I ask Alex the question, and Garrett agrees or disagrees, and uh, then Alex will lock it in with Hundo. Uh, he's a hundo. Uh, so it doesn't matter what Garrett, if Garrett says he disagrees, it doesn't mean Alex has to change his answer. That's just input. And then we'll go to Garrett and Garrett will be the one in charge for there. So here we go with the first question of the night. Also known as the jungle walrus, this creature lives near Lake Victoria. What is it? Now I got, I actually got, this is multiple choice. All these are multiple choice, I believe. Jersey Devil, Bigfoot, the Wendigo. Is that how you say it? Wendigo? Wendigo. 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 And the Dingo Neck. Dingo Net. Dingo Net. Number D, whatever D is. The Dingo Net? Yeah. I would agree because that's the only one I don't know, and none of the other ones sounds like a fanged monster in Lake Victoria. Well, I say that I, I hundo with that my twice because I knew Garrett would at least know all the other words and all the other creature lore. That's the only one I don't know about, so right. dingo neck or whatever. That is the correct answer. A huge creature from Western Africa. Witnesses describe the uh, dingo neck as being 14 to 15 feet long, a body like a hippo and long fatal fangs. One eyewitness said that it was so that his account of the uh, animal was so convincing that it was published in McLean's magazine. So there we go. Next question here, Garrett, you're up next. You know what? This one fairly easy. Going to give you uh, native to Mexico and South America. This cryptoid, uh, cryptid is known for ravaging goats. Can you guess its name? Is it the Canvey Island monster, the uh, Chupacabra, the Loop Garo, or once again, the Dingo Neck? Why would they put it on here twice? <laughs> you <just got> the <laughs> answer. Say the answers again. Carvey Island monster, Chupacabra, and the Loop Garo. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you think this one's easy. I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to go Chupacabra. Agree. Going to lock it in. Hundo. Hundo. Benny. That Hundo. is correct. Chupacabra means goat sucker. Throughout Mexico mm. and South America, the Chupacabra is notorious for drinking the blood of goats and other livestock, such as chickens. Vaguely reptilian with a spiked spine. It's said to be the bane of poor farmers. There you go. 
Uh, this mysterious primate is native to India. Can you guess its name? Is it the Monkey Man of, of Delhi, the Groot Slang, the Water Hound, or the Alta Mahaha? Alex. Okay, well, I know it's not the Water Hound. That'd be, like, ridiculously weird. Uh, what's it? Monkey Man of Delhi? Yeah. Groot Slang. Whatever the last one. Alta Mahaha. I'm going to go with uh, the second word. Groot Slang. Yeah. I would have to agree, because again, no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. like my, the functionality of my brain goes, uh, Monkey Man of Delhi just seems like too obvious of an answer. The last one where Marvin couldn't pronounce it, I don't even know what the hell that means. And uh, Waterhound didn't make sense. So let's go with B, Hundo. Uh, Groot Slang is incorrect. It is the Monkey Man of Delhi. And oh, snap. With the obvious answer. <laughs> in 2001, a monkey-like creature of unusual size terrorized residents of New Delhi. It had red eyes and, according to some, a metal helmet. Although police... <laughs> metal <laughs> Although police searched for the Monkey Man after he reportedly harmed a number of people, he was never found. So there you go. Uh... It just sounds like a weirdo went running around. I was going to say, it, uh, that one, there's not much lore behind. One thing happened, and it was a guy with a helmet on. So, uh, This one here, uh, Garrett, residing in California, this cryptid resembles an enormous snake. What's its name? The Missouri Monster, the Seep Squatch, the Mongolian Death Worm, or the Tahoe Tessie? Same again. Missouri Monster, the Sheep Squatch. The Mongolian Death Worm or the Tahoe Tessie? I'm going to go with Mongolian Death Worm. Alex, what do you think here? Agree, disagree? I, I disagree. Okay, well, what do you think? Oh, so you can only say if you agree. I only can say agree, um, disagree. Okay, I'll go with the Tahoe thing. Hundo? Tahoe Tessie? Hundo. All right. Yep. He's a hundo on the Tahoe Tessie, and that is correct. Woo! A lake monster Good who call, lives Garrett. a lake monster who lives in California's Lake Tahoe. The Tahoe Tessie resembles a Loch Ness monster, but it's said to be very fast. She was sighted by the Washu and uh Paiute tribes since it's at least since at least the nineteenth century. The last sighting was in 2004. See, that's got history. It's not some monkey man they saw once in 2001. <laughs> Wearing, Wearing a helmet. A helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an American got lost in India, went running amok for a couple days. I wear my safety helmet just in case. Uh, Alex, here you go. This memorable being from Aboriginal folklore can be found in marshes and billabongs. What is it? Is it the... Uh, Kora Kami, the Bunyip, the Seep Squatch, or the Yeti? Sorry. I like how they keep giving some of the same names over again. Um, give me the A and B one more time, please. Uh, Kori Kami or the Benyip? I'm going to go with Benyip. Sounds good to me. Agree. 
We're going to hundo that in. Give me some Benjamins. It is indeed the Ben Yip. The Aboriginal people across Australia have seen it. It resembles both a bird and an alligator. Residing in swampy areas such as marshes and billabongs, the Bun Yip is said to attack women and children who wander too close to the watery dwellings. There you go. Only women and children, though. You can tell the difference. So, that's just a weird thing. Uh, native to North Carolina. Native to North Carolina. This monster looks like a giant dangerous cat. What is it? Is it the Mapip Garari? The Akoro Kami? The Beast of Blandenborough? Or the Yarin? Holy shitoli. Say those four again. Listen, I thought you were a cryptozoologist. Hey, man. I know not the Winchesters didn't fight any of those four monsters. So, <laughs> uh, native to North Carolina, from North Carolina, this monster looks like a giant, dangerous cat. What is it? The Mapinguari, the Akoro Kami, the Beast of Balinbaru, or the Yarin? Hmm. I feel like I want to go with. Oh, the Yarin. Alex? I will agree. Incorrect. Oh, he needs you, Hundo. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I fucked the total game. Whoa. Okay, Was it Beast? Okay. It is, yeah, yeah the Beast. Okay. okay. That was the one I had. I was either that or the one that he chose. Yeah, yeah. Vampire Cat, North Carolina. Sucks the blood of goats and dogs. What the fuck? <laughs> goats and dogs. It's a chupacabra. I guess they chupacabra. Like a little sheep. I thought the chupacabra was always supposed to be like hairy in nature, but that other description made it sound like a reptile. See, that's what I always thought. I thought it was like a, a wandering little beast, not a little reptile. Same. That's what happens when you make up stories and make up creatures. No uh, one knows. Uh, Alex, a bird-like being found in the southwest Germany. Is it the Jersey Devil? They say southwest Germany. That's what I said. Okay. Yeah. The Jersey Devil, the Goat Man, the Mila Natuka, or the El Schwartz. Can I hear C and D one more time? Elma Natuka or the El Trish. I'm going to go with uh, D. L. Uh, L. D. Schwartz. <laughs> I'm going to disagree. Whoa. Then I'm going to go with C. Nope, it was the other one. Uh, I was going to say it's the only, it's the only, it ends in SCH, which is German. It's the only German one. Yeah, there. that's what I went with. Then I let Garrett get in my head. I should. Gosh. Hey, man, I didn't know. I know. I know you. Only Winchester's you. Hey, man, when you get 15 years of material, you think you'd cover some of these monsters. All right, let's put some music on in the background. It's exciting. If you guys don't get the next three correct, you'll be visited by Michael Myers in your dreams tonight. Well, I should be safe. You know, I did pass a car uh, on a walk for the show with my dog. And, like, the lights were flashing, and I got some Michael Meyer vibes, and I was like, I'm gonna fucking speed away as fast as possible. There we go. Garrett? Oh, they released the new trailer today. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah, they did for Halloween Kills. What the fuck? 
I'm over here trying to create atmosphere for the next three. You guys are going to be killed in your sleep by Michael Myers. You got to bring up Mike, the next movie. Well, fuck yeah, that's where the inspiration. All right, from. we're back. Marvin, you scared Garrett. That's why he had to talk about it. This Japanese mon- sea monster stinks. What's its name? That's how the that's literally what the question says. The uh, Kraken, the uh, Groot slaying, the uh, Kokorokumi, that that one I said before. Korakumi or the Ozak Howler. Go through them again. The Kraken, the Groot Slang, the Akorokumi, or the Ozark Howler. I'm gonna go with the Korakumi. Alex. <laughs> I agree. Garrett? Oh, Hondo. That is correct. Yeah, it's been sighted many times. It has giant eyes. And uh, supposedly it stinks. Um, native to Australia, this creature has been known by several names. It's said to be an ape like with huge feet. What is it? The Yowie? The Wendigo? The Bunyip? Or the Philico uh, Taris? Okay, so if it's a trick question, it's Ben Yep, but that's not it. Wendigo, I don't feel like that's quite the right lore. So it's A or D. Can I have A or D one more time? Yowie? Or the Philico Taris? I'm going to go with A. I agree. Yowie? Hundo? Yep. Hundo? Hundo the, sh- Hundo the Yowie? That's correct. Also known as the Quicken, uh, some think it might be a bipedal marsupial that is unknown. So that one actually might be a fucking animal, alright? <laughs> um, here we go. Garrett, this is the last one. Okay. You have to get all these right or Michael Myers is going to show up at your house tonight. I well, said in your dreams originally, but now he's showing up physically. And not All a, right. Garrett, I mean, Garrett, since this is on you, and Alex is only confirming, Alex, for you, he will show up only in your dreams. But for Garrett, oh, he's showing up for real. <laughs> real. Fun. It's right. fucking, uh, what is it called? Uh, dream team this shit. The only bovine in this quiz, this enormous animal is almost the size of a bear. Is it the Groot Slang, the Tatsa Worm, the Sheep Squash, or the Loop Garu? Gotta go with the Sheep Squash. The That's sheep what I was thinking too. Hondo it? Three. Hondo. For the chance of Michael Myers showing up at your house tonight. And showing up in Alex's dreams. More than likely, Alex, in your dreams, he's dead. Oh, nobody wants to get into that. He just shows up. Fuck you. Nobody, nobody wants to get into that head. But <laughs> if he shows up at Garrett's store, we all know Garrett has no chance. Nope. <laughs> Native to West Virginia, it is a supersized sheep with horns. A number Fuck of you. witnesses have re- seen it recently, including some campers who saw it in the Appalachian Mountains in 2015. The answer 
is Steve Squatch. Yeah, fuck you, Michael Myers. Steve Squatch. Hey, so speaking of which, I, I read, I've been trying to catch up on books. Hasn't I mean, it's gone pretty well. I've read about 20 in the last week. That's like a world record for me in a while. It is. But Moon Knight number two has a bad guy that is controlling people by his sweat. And he puts it in the water. And he gets all these old people to attack people. And um, Moon Knight goes, you know, here, let me have the uncut. Give me the original. So the the janitor takes some sweat, puts it on one of the moon orangs, and uh, Moon Knight licks it. And the guy travels into his brain. The janitor travels into Moon Knight's brain and goes crazy because there's so much shit going on. That's that's what would happen if uh, Mike Myers, Michael Myers showed up in my dreams. Michael Myers, if he shows up in your dreams, is going to be like in a white room and look around and be like, what the hell is this? There's nothing in here. And then out of nowhere, the floor starts opening up and this platform comes up and there's a piano. And also an Alex is just like, that's a fact like Agnes. Agatha, a just like singing this song. You got what I need. <laughs> but you say he's just a friend. Boy, Michael Myers just kills himself going, this isn't worth it. <laughs> He's like, how do I get out of here? <laughs> uh, Why won't he let me die? <laughs> well, there you go. That's that cryptozoology game uh, quiz, and these guys survive. So they will. Michael Myers will forever stay in the movies in a movie called Halloween Kills this uh, holiday season. Holiday season? Is it this year? Yeah, it is. October 1st, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm, could be October 1st. I'm not sure. October, though. Yes. 17th. And we get James Bond. Finally. James Bond. Halloween. Dune. Halloween Town. <laughs> One, two, and three. And the return to Halloween Town High. Holy shit. <laughs> I feel like something else is coming out October 1st. Um. Oh, Venom. Let there be carnage. Oh, yeah. Garbage. Which Ooh. might not be half bad. Who knows? Andy Circus. Uh let's get into that focus forecast. Uh brought to you by Rainbow Comics and Cards.com, your different source for all things comic books. Looking for a comic book this holiday season, no better place to go than Rainbow Comics and Cards.com. Speaking about uh comic books coming out this week, Nightwing number eighty four. By Robert Rodriguez and Tom Taylor. Uh, Garrett, what have you been thinking about the series? I've been loving Nightwing since Tom Taylor got on this book. A uh, little sad to see Bruno Redondo gone. I'm not familiar with this artist, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But uh, I do love like the character study on everyone in this book. Uh, Dick Grayson, Barbara, uh, you get some of the other Bat family. And you got that new uh, dog that's awesome to see uh, Dick Grayson bonding with and uh yeah it's been so good and I can't remember if Damien I don't remember there was oh there was a text from Damien that just hit me in the feels recently so in that book so Nightwing hey okay uh Batman versus Bigsby a wolf in Gotham Brian Lovell and Bill Willingham the uh Gotham meets uh, fables. Alex, what do we think here? 
like the epitome of all things I love. Fables, the Batman. The only thing missing was like Spider Man and the Turtles to make it the the best book ever created. Uh, I'm super stoked. Six issue run should be fantastic. I don't know what the story is going to imply other than these are two amazing detectives going head to head. I got my money on uh, Big B at least making the first move on shutting Batman down. But I'm super stoked. It's been a long time since I visited Fables. Last time I even talked about it probably was with you guys when we read the book. Uh, or at least that first arc. So it's going to be stupendous. Stupendous. It's like Stu- a spell. <clears throat> it's like fantastic, but I changed it. Uh, S- Stillwater, number 10 by G- Sadarsky and Mike Spicer and Ramon Perez. Uh, when no one can age or die, are the children still the future? The town of Stillwater is about to find out. Uh, kids fight back, you know? Can't You can't fucking try to get rid of those motherfuckers. Because, uh, right, they would try to kill them, right? Yep, well, that uh, whatever uh, squad took over the town, and then, then, yeah, the main guy ran into the... You know, this the reminds me of, Gary... Village of Kids. What? Especially this cover when he's holding the uh, sh- uh, makeshift... Um, the fuck's that called? I literally just had it. You know the two uh, Alex. What's it with two sticks? You put a, a rubber band in between and you throw rocks. Slingshot. Um, slingshot. It's got a makeshift slingshot on the cover, uh, and their kid's going to be fighting these uh, older people. Reminds me of Return of the Jedi, right? We got fucking little Ewoks, Ewoks. little Ewok action happening on. So uh, I would ima- I would imagine I wouldn't put a past Chip Zdarsky to throw in a little uh, Jedi reference in here. So. Uh, looking forward to that. By the way, if you see this cover, this red, pinkish, purple like hue that's on that cover, something about that color, beautiful. Um, I've never seen that color before. I feel like, and or at least that mixture of colors, and it looks great. Um, here we go. Radiant Black number eight. Kyle Higgins and Marcello Costa. The battle for the red- radiant tears through Chicago. Can this unlikely team stand against an enemy who knows more about the powers than they do? And even if they win, what happens next? Garrett, it's like fucking Power Rangers over here. I know. That's kind of crazy because, you know, that's not what I uh, envisioned for this book. But, uh, you know, as Kyle Higgins does, there is a lot of twists and turns. And I had just read uh, issue seven, which kind of focused on the red radiant uh, Satomi, uh, which was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm. I wonder if now that makes me wonder going back is like, did Kyle Higgins get thrown off Power Rangers? And he's like, well, I'm going to do my own Power Rangers team, you know, because like literally it's turning into like a little uh, team effort uh, with all this radiant power. So maybe he left and he was like, you know what? I want to go back, but it's kind of embarrassing. You can't like leave and then come back. So I just make my own. Right. So I really dig it. Uh, I'm super pumped for issue eight. I just think it's like one of them. It's like a fresh superhero take. Um, you know, kind of reminds me of Invincible. Yeah, mixed with Power Rangers, so it's it's been fun. Alex, you ever uh, eat lunch and then somebody says, "Hey, can I have a bite of that?" And uh, you give them a bite, and then you afterwards feel like, oh, "Maybe I shouldn't have given the bite because I really wanted the whole thing." No, you never feel like that because you never would do that. Yeah, I, was like, I don't know why you're asking me this question. You know the answer is no. I never go, oh, I should have shared. I'm like, fuck you. I ate all my Literally, food. once I started asking the question, I realized I'm asking the wrong person. So. Uh, Frontiersman number one, Patrick uh, 
Ken Lon and Marco Fiera. What did Marco used to do? I remember that name. Uh, Patience, Conviction, Revenge, Team Patrick, Team Patrick, uh, Kindland, Kindland, and Marco Fiera reunite on his all-new ongoing series at Image. Classic Green Arrow-style adventure blends with the thoughtfulness of concrete in the superhero odyssey for mature but uncynical readers. Frank Tierman is coaxed out of retirement by an environmentalist group only to find that a spokesman makes him a target for an old and new enemy alike. For the superhero reader looking for a little bit more. Hey, they got one of these video uh, trailers on here. I don't know why I play this. I think we learned by now that it's just always just music and images. Uh, Alex, what do you think? You know, so this is one of those books that I had. It was in the back of one of my images, image titles, like a month ago, and I was like, you know what? I want to just try it. I don't know anything about it. I didn't even. Re- I just looked at the front cover, and I thought it looked like my kind of book. The dude looks grizzled. The dude looks like he could throw an axe and hit someone in the face. Um, I am a cynical person. This is for me. Who knows? It, it says uncynical book I need. For the uncynical reader. Oh. Well, then I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm going to hate everything about this I do book. see a badger on the cover, though, so that might be enough to get you through it. That might have been what I saw then, because there's something I was like, wow, this book looks really good. I bet it was that badger. So if he's a main character, by all means. Uh, also on the Maybe cover. Maybe that is Frontiers, man. Also on the cover... Uh, are some mushrooms, and you're not learning the other day that mushrooms that stack like that are okay, and mushrooms that come like that are separated in pods are not okay to eat. So this frontierman could be having a buffet of uh, mushrooms. There's a lot of mushrooms in that picture, so who knows? That would also explain why he's friends with that uh, badger. That badger. They they uh, like uh, some mushrooms. I'm just saying that he's high on something. That badger's <laughs> like, okay, I guess we can be friends. Uh, that Texas Blood number 10. Two number 10s this week. Uh, Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. Eversol, 8-1984, part four. A heated argument between Sheriff Cooper and Eversol leads to Joe Bob to make a uh, radical decision to help find a missing girl. The missing girl. So, here we go. That Texas Blood. Been fantastic this run. You know, been fantastic since the start. So it's one of my favorite books, and uh, I'm excited to see more of this story and see what we have uh, in store for um, Joe Bob. I mean, obviously nothing's going to happen to him, but something might. You know what would be absolutely fucking incredible is if we had a criminal story going on at the same time as that Texas Blood. It would be, like, insane. They uh, Didn't they just put their... They have a book coming out. Yeah, it's reckless. I read volume one. I haven't read volume two oh, yet, okay. but they're doing like a quarterly trade series right now. Oh, there you go. Um, you know what? Actually, something I said just reminded me, Garrett, about how I said Joe Bob. We know he's not going to be hurt or nothing happened to him because this is a story that takes place in the past, and we know he exists in the future, right? And I was thinking because I watched the uh, pilot episode finally of Superman and Lois. Uh, on HBO Max, I watched it because they finally, you know, they had on HBO Max for a little uh, bit. They had like a, a special preview for some reason. They put the, all the episodes up and then they took it down after like a week or like two weeks. And now it's on there just indefinitely. Um, so I decided, let's, let's start watching them. So I watched the first episode. By the way, anybody looking to watch this show, 
I feel like it's way different than any of the other CW shows. Um, and I really like that first episode. So it's fantastic. Season one was so good. And yeah, it does set itself apart from like all the other CW shows where like literally you get one cameo from somebody on the C another CW show. Otherwise there's no mention of any other entity besides Superman and Lois. So it's awesome. But the thing about it when I was watching it, because I actually do like their portrayal of Superman in that show. And when I was watching it, I had the thought of, um, cause somebody in the show makes a comment that Superman's boring. Uh, and I was watching it thinking that that's a lot of people's kind of idea of Superman, that he's boring or that he can't get hurt. So what's the point of watching him? You know, he's never going to get hurt. And I was thinking of, there's a, like, I would think like a great majority, especially of heroes journey stories, you know, the hero's not going to get hurt. Like, Batman is not going to die randomly in an issue of Batman and Ark of Batman. We know that. It's going to be talked about for months. So there's no really any worry that he'll die. And in this here, there's no really worry that Joe Bob will die, right? And I was watching that. I think you mean, like, the crux of what makes Superman intriguing to read about or watch is not that we think he might die, even though there is times in which he has or there is a possibility with kryptonite but like in the general like when i was watching the beginning it's not really that much of spoilers he is trying to stop a nuclear reactor from blowing up and it's kind of like playing it for like oh is he gonna be okay he's not gonna die in that but i was just thinking it's not about whether or not he's gonna die it's gonna be that the story is so compelling that it makes you care whether or not he's okay or not it makes you care whether or not anything happens to him or anybody that he loves or anything in his life. And those are the things that make that compelling. So in this story here where Joe Bob, we know nothing's going to happen to him. Like because Joe Bob cares so much about finding this little girl and we're not entirely sure what happens if we know that it affects him in the long term. It's like, we don't want him to emotionally get hurt in this. That kind of like misses him over the future because that's a guy that we know in the future we very much enjoy, and we don't know how the rest of the story is going to go. Plus, the missing girl we have, uh, uh, we want her to be found too. And so, like when we're talking about this kind of story with a flashback, and a lot of times people like are almost like it's it's not exciting. We know nothing's going to happen to this person, but it's not really about that. It's more about what happens to them that affects them and makes them less of a person um, that is happy in their life or uh, anything like that. So. Um, I was watching Superman. And I thought about that, and I was like, you know what? I like the crux of that is is that you know I care about is he uh, well in that show. It's, it's a little different in that show, but let's say this: is he a good dad? Does he have time to be a, have a family? Does he have time to be normal when he wants to try to be normal, or is he always stuck trying to be the world's superhero? And that is a thing more where you could feel bad for him and feel like no, you you can't do that. You can't go and save that. Because you'll miss this, but if you don't, then people are going to die. So, that Texas blood, number 10. Um, it's got a Coke on the cover, I think. He's drinking a Coke. Alex, for some reason, I don't know if he looks saw this cover here, him sitting in that uh, patio, not patio, lawn chair, no shoes or socks on, drinking a Coke, leaning back. Uh, that's Alex Pastrella style, I feel like. Do you ever go outside? I did not see the cover, but I actually was just thinking that sounds good. Do you ever go outside with no shoes or socks on? If I'm sitting in my chair, why not? I'm not there to impress anybody. They can see my feet. (laughs) Drink my Diet Coke. Back off. (laughs) Keep driving. 
I'm so, going to be a good old man at yelling at people on the street. I even yell at people now when I walk down the street. Hey, get off your phone. Hey, you don't stop at that stop sign. Hey, I have a flip phone. It doesn't even matter. I'm on the phone here. Shut up. Oh, okay. That's why I said when Alex was out for that walk and I saw him on his phone, it was surprising to me because this guy does not mix technology with nature. If he's out on that walk, right here. If he's out on that walk, he's on that walk. Speaking of outside, Alex, uh, what about that weather? What's that focus forecast look like? You know what? It's going to be cool. So, in it's it originally now it's actually fall. Everybody, it's not just meteorology. It's not just the, what the sky thinks it's going to be. It's literally fall. We just got past done with the equinox. Uh, did you guys put the egg down on its top so that it stood up straight? Great. Good for you. You know what? It's going to be chilly. This week it's going to be cool. Get your sweatshirt out. I don't care if it's got a badger or not on it. Put your sweatshirt on. Be comfy. Get some hot coffee. You know what you should do? Go sit outside at 6 in the morning. Watch that sunrise. Some of you probably have never even seen the sun. Uh, go watch it rise. Watch it wake up the world. It says here the but sun's going to rise at 7.16 tomorrow. So are you up at early at 6? Well, I'm up at 6. I make my cup of coffee. I look outside. It's still dark. I like it. It's nice. I don't like when the sun comes up. I'm what they call a vampire-ish-like person. You like, like an hour to get ready to anticipate the sun coming up. Correct. It is getting colder. It's it, We're now in that season where the days will either be a little cool or perfect, and then nights are going to be cool where you kind of have to like toggle back and forth your heater and, and your uh, air conditioning, so... Um, tonight, I love it. The time of this recording, nice uh, fifty degrees outside right now, uh, and then wow. should get down to about a forty-four until uh, when Alex wakes up, and then uh, get about sixty-nine tomorrow. So like, it's nice. I like fall seasons. So it's perfection. Let's get to freezing, so I don't have to mow anymore. That's what I'm talking about, brother. You tell me. I want the bugs to be gone. Yeah, that too. Kill them all. Jesus. I felt so ready to be done with summer. Like I love. Like this morning, I woke up and I was like freezing. And I'm like, this is the best feeling of my life. Jesus, kill them all. Speaking of which, let's get into these reviews. New X Men number one. Let's just start with this. New X Men volume one. E with for extinction. Uh, speaking about killing them all. Jesus, that's what this whole book's been about. We have uh, Cassandra Nova shows up in this book, and she uh, wants to get rid of uh, mutants. And then the last issue, oh, something a little out of the ordinary happened. Uh, Xavier told everybody, hey, guess what? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Charles Xavier, and I am a mutant. And, uh, well, actually, that was the last, like, real issue. The last one was about Zorn. Um, and uh, so this issue starts with... A scene at the uh, mansion at the uh, school for the gifted, uh, and people are protesting, being like, "Die, mutant, die!" Uh, I, I literally, where's this? Uh, fuck! Oh, here we go. Um, there's somebody sign who says, "It's not murder if it's a mutant," and I was like, "Holy shit!" Oh, damn! <laughs> I was like, "That is some real backwards thought to be like, it's not murder if it's a mutant." Um, actually before that lied before that we have our story about beak and beast two people who will become important in this story later on in this issue but we start with them beast is teaching beak how to use his powers and how to be basically an x-men 
Uh, and he says, hey, don't worry. You're not going to be an X-Men overnight. We'll kind of get you there. Um, and then they kind of get out. And you see that the school is full of people. But outside, they now that people know that that school is for the gifted, for the higher learning, meaning mutants. Uh, they're protesting outside. I see here, uh, genetic cleanness begins at home. Have your babies tested now was one of the signs. So uh, uh, the hate comes home in this issue. And you have, um, you know, something I noticed in this whole issue is that Cyclops never goes inside. Uh, he's outside and he's mad that they're protesting outside and he's like standing guard. And then later on, there's like a, at night, he's still out there. Uh, so he's very protective about making sure nobody comes in, which in the grand scheme of things, uh, he seems very protective because he doesn't trust the humans, which seems more like a Magneto thing, uh, than a Xavier thing. And if anybody knows like where this eventually goes is that Cyclops does eventually see more from Magneto's point of view than Xavier's. And so this is kind of the start of that being like not trusting humans. And then obviously getting together with Emma, which we saw in the last uh, not the annual, but the last actual issue. Um, or was it the annual? I think it was the annual. It was the annual. Yeah. It was the annual. Naughty Scotty. Naughty so. Scotty. Speaking of naughty people, uh, Beast is going on a date here with uh, uh, a reporter. Reporter? I think so. Yes. And broadcaster. And she's like, Beast, we can't go on anymore. You look like a fucking cat. They think I'm, <laughs> I'm into bestiality over here. I can't be going out with you anymore. No offense. <laughs> That's, you know what? The whole time she offends him because, and because like, no offense, man. I mean, come on. I'm sorry. Yeah, no zero sub, like subtle uh, or subtle. I can't say it. Zero kindness whatsoever. Just blunt as a fucking nail. Like horrible. Um, this issue drawn by Ethan Van Scriver, uh, different from the uh, first batch drawn by Frank Quietly. What do you think, Alex, about the art of this issue? I actually really enjoyed the art. Um, mostly when I saw Jean Grey come up and, and talk to Wolverine, who was meditating after getting his arm evaporated by uh, Nova. He's like, yeah, you know, I've been up here four days meditating. Can't believe you found me. Uh, she looked really good. Like, I, I, There's something about Quaylee's faces. Sometimes the faces are fantastic. Uh, other times, uh, Jean looks old. And this one, she actually looked like a young Jean Grey. And uh, I thought when we pulled back to Scott looking out the the gate, I thought he was actually watching uh, Wolverine and Gene talk and hug and kiss or whatever they were doing. And then now to realize, no, he was looking out at the people, not up in the mountains where I could never see. Well, they're kind of behind. Uh, the, there were Well, they do show trees in the background, so actually I had the same thought too, but then you see... He's actually standing in front of the basically the same place he was in the morning. The guy never moved. Um, <laughs> but uh, Gene, you missed this part. Gene kisses Wolverine, and then she's like, "He's like, we both know the deal. We always have. It would never work out between us." And Wolverine walks away. Uh, you, I'm interpreting that right, though. Gene put the moves on Wolverine. Yeah, she was like, she, "No, she was like saying, I'm lonely. Like Scott won't even touch me. Blah blah blah." And then boom. he grabbed her from yeah, behind here. and brought her over and kissed her. I think they both wanted it. Push away, yeah. I don't know. Well, my head's didn't hollow. He's like, well, I know how this is going to end. This is, this is what, it, what she says. I don't know. My head's hollow and I feel really lonely, Logan. Uh, and then she goes, you're my friend. And I wish he would just hold me the way he used to. I wish it didn't matter. I feel like an idiot. And then, you know what, actually? 
he might have he might have put the moves on her. Who knows? Because she's actually turned away, and then she tr- like turns towards him. But then why does he like? Ah, it's not going to work between us. Oh, I think because he's like, hey, never mind. Sorry, he walks away. Whatever. Anyways, a little kindling. Plus, that. I mean, he just <laughs> had, he just had a thing with uh, what's her face, uh, Domino or not Domino? What's her name? The lucky girl, Domino. 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 That's fucking right. All right, never mind. Yeah, buddy. I mean, come on, Wolverine's gonna. Get it where you I get say Wolverine. Let's face it. All the X Men are like a uh, soap opera. They've all slept together, <laughs> one way or the other, um, and some of them get amnesia. And then we get some more of the Emma Frost and uh, um, uh, Scott storyline, where she comes out and she talks to him very briefly. And he's uh, still standing, staring, and she's just like, <laughs> uh, "Look at this! Look at this!" Uh, the because they she hear. Um, the fuck's it called? They call it Kingdom. The Shear Empire. Empire. They're showing up to pick They're up. They're going to show up to pick up Xavier because Xavier's like, hey, come on. I, I just went through a fucking ordeal. I almost died. Take me on a little vacation. And he has an ex that used to, uh, isn't a uh, Shear. And so he's like, come on, pick me up and let's go. So I guess they're going to pick him up and they're going to go for a little joyride around the galaxy. But then when Beast and uh, Xavier are going downstairs, and Beast is like, hey, I, I'm going to break. I have a, a basically a 3D readout of. Cassandra Nova's body, and I'm going to check and see, and he goes, but I have a question. Why does she have the same DNA as you, Professor? And uh turns out Xavier is not of sound mind. It is Cassandra Nova in his head, and uh she does not hold back. <laughs> she uses Xavier's powers to uh basically, she keeps saying, um, throw up on his soul. Have you ever had, what, that's, isn't what he, that's what he says? Or she says, um, how does it feel to having someone throw up on your soul, Henry? She does that twice, which I don't know what that actually means in in, in realistic terms, but it doesn't look great. Uh, definitely bleeding from the nose and having a lot of pain. And he's going on and how, or she is, Cassandra Nova within Xavier's body, about how Xavier at once tried to um, get rid of her, and she he failed, and so now she's going to come back and destroy everything that he loves. And that's what she's doing. So if we were in the um, last issue that she was in, she kind of affected Charles's head. And then he, uh, you know, popped her full of uh, lead. Uh, and it turns out that uh, she probably uh, successfully uh, infiltrated his head and she's in there now. So um, and then she pretended like she was Xavier. That's why she said I'm a mutant. And she kind of fucked up that whole dynamic that they had going on on purpose. And now, you know, Scott's got to be outside 24-7 catching a cold. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and they're breaking apart here. And then Beak from earlier comes in. He was going to give this nice bat to Beast as like a thank you gift. And uh, he, did, he did give it to Beast, though, after a while. Well, see, uh, Beast, you know, when the attention turns to Beak coming in for a second, Beast has enough time to kind of take Xavier down for a second. He's like, you're not going to, she's like, you're not going to attack this because you'll be hurting your brother, your professor. And then she takes over Beak's mind and makes Beak uh, beat the shit out of Beast with the bat. And the last thing we see is uh, Beast on the floor and uh, some blood and glasses. And so, you know what? Uh, Pretty injured at the very least. Pretty injured at the very least. It was especially kind of bad, wasn't it? Like titanium something or something like that yeah you know what for story's yeah. sake i'm gonna say it's uh antimantium 
Oof. <laughs> Oof, that hurt. <laughs> um, so anyways, the uh, uh, ship comes. Xavier's like, Xavier slash Nova is like, motherfucker, here we go. Got my free ride. And guess what? Uh, if somebody has is in control of that ship and the amount of firepower that they have, what destruction could they uh, could they do? And that's where it kind of ends this story. So um, this trade is a very weirdly set up trade. And it definitely, uh, it definitely is. You can see the different kind of mentality mentality that trades used to be back in this. Uh, what is it? Oh seven. When was this? Oh six. Let me see. I got it right here. Twenty eleven. <laughs> back in twenty eleven, was that this definitely was? They were just writing single issues. You know, they're writing for the issue. They weren't concerned about whether or not somebody's going to read this trade and get a full story an annual about a character that they won't ever see again in this trade, and then a single issue that is the start of the next arc, and not, like, you know what I mean? They would have probably cut it off maybe after the the annual and not had this issue in there. But they weren't really concerned. They were just like, oh, okay, six issues, there you go, pop that in there. And uh, uh, nowadays, people would be like, oh, here's an arc, and we're gonna, this is how we're gonna do it, and they would make the annual part of Sometimes they even make trades that nowadays where like it's like all the special annual stuff in it. They'll make like a DC annual book or something like that and throw those in there. So um, in terms of this story, though, I really like this uh, where this is going and actually intrigued me to read more of this to see uh, what this Nova uh, Xavier character is going to do. I, I think I'm super surprised and impressed with how Grant Morrison made logistics in the book, mostly from that first and second issue. Um, but I really did enjoy this. It was nice to see these characters that I do know got, I actually had, I had met Zorn. I'd seen Zorn's character. I've not seen the, the, the build up form. I'm assuming Beak's first issue is this one is one I'll, I'll check right now. Um, first appearance was, I mean, the, the book is fantastic and it really touches on a lot of, um, tough aspects. I mean, the, the amount of shit that these mutants go through, when all they're trying to do is live their life and to know that human beings really are the monsters of most everything in their life. Uh, fantastic. I really did enjoy this book. Yeah, I liked it too. Uh, Cassandra Nova is terrifying. Um, I got a like preview of her in the X-Men 70s title that came out a couple years back, but uh, did not realize how terrifying she is. And uh, this issue really proved how frightening she is. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it would be cool if like Frank quietly stayed on, but I liked, uh, Van Skyver's art, uh, whoever did the annual art, not so much, but, uh, throughout the story is so intense and like, I, it does feel like a more like adult oriented, uh, X-Men title. So it's, it's damn good. Uh, Alex, you're right. First appearance of, uh, Beak was this issue. Sweet. So, um. 118, the next issue, is literally the second issue of this storyline. So like I said, it, it it seems weird to have this uh, one issue in there, but I was actually uh, grateful because I can get a little taste of what's coming next and decide whether or not I want to continue. And I actually really do enjoy the way this is going. Actually, since you mentioned, Alex, um, I've never been a person to be interested in the, uh, the soap opera of X-Men, but in this storyline, I have been. I don't know why. I think it's the Cyclops gene and Wolverine, uh, the classic um, 
kind of uh, tell. And so, but you know, you get Emma thrown in there. You get the the new hot chick who's now interfering with everybody's life. It looks like uh, continuing with the next issue. It's still Ethan Ryan Scriber for this arc. So, or at least for the next issue. So we'll see. But uh, I really enjoyed it. It's fun. It's very uh, much uh, what I needed after, uh, and and Lee, it really is. You got what I need. You know what's funny <laughs> is that it's a little complicated, but you don't have to think about that too much because there's enough other stuff going on, action, uh, intrigue, uh, bats to the head, that eventually you don't like. You don't need to think of the intricacies of of like being like, oh, there, he's a clone. and it, like, There's weird shit, but it really is just at a surface level. You don't have to kind of get... It doesn't get bogged down in its convolutity, uh, if that's a word. Uh, it doesn't get convoluted. It, it stays at a very enjoyable level, but has aspects if you want to pull the threads to read about more of it. So um, I really enjoyed this issue. I look forward to uh, seeing more. And actually, this out of... As a person who has always tried to get into the X-Men. Uh, this last year with the Hickman stuff, that was fantastic. And reading this, I feel like uh, this would also be a series that I could get into too. So um, did we rate these? I don't know. Sure. Did we rate these? Yeah, I think we have been. Or at least right. each issue we've been rating. I'm going to give this one a, a, a nice nine. I feel like this one was uh, pretty decent. Decent and meaning nine is good. That's a good rating. I'm gonna go with an eight. I enjoyed it. I mean, eight's eight's just just a par of nine, uh, but I really did enjoy it. It's good. Can't it's, get a ten. X Men, you got it. Because Xavier didn't pull out his nine again and shoot somebody. So, I, to be fair, <laughs> come on, she got shot in the face. I don't care how good your healing factor is. Uh, why did they not just cut her head off? Or Wolverine, you got another hand to stab her in the face a couple times now. Be done with it. I that. did find that intriguing, Alex. That he can't just when it's too much. He does need time to kind of heal. And he can meditate to kind of increase his time healing, which kind of makes sense. It's like if he focused on the healing, it's going to be faster, but he's also immobile and can't really defend himself, which I thought was cool. So, See, logistics right there. I would also give it an eight. Uh, yeah, it was a good issue. And man, does Beast get put through the ringer. So <laughs> he, I bet that's going to mess with his mental health. And uh, the whole time, Beak's like, I don't want to be doing this. Like, like, he's aware enough that he's not con- he, not in control of his own body. Um, which is also, he's getting tortured at the same time. I know Beast is getting... Like, what a sadistic choice by Nova, where she could choose to make it where she is, his brain, he just does what he's supposed to. But she chose to be like, hey, I can control your limbs without having to make your brain... Mm-hmm. Which, which actually Here, enjoy this which is intriguing that you state that because earlier in the story beast was saying that he thinks beaks uh a, a good kid and he thinks that there might be something in the past that kind of you know made him a little scared a little anxious and that xavier which we learned is not actually him is like yeah i can go back and delete some memories to uh kind of make them happier and so now knowing that that was Nova, she's aware that she can make it so they don't remember that. And you're right. What a statistic choice to be like, no, he's going to remember he did this. To, and she knows he's fucked up already. <laughs> she's like, no, I'm going to fuck this kid up more <laughs> by like making him remember this. So, um, yeah, that Nova's a piece of shit. So, <laughs> piece of shit. Uh, Gary, yeah. you're next on the list here to pick a, a book. What are we going to read? So, um, uh... 
Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents. Um, I'll just say it first, and I'll explain why. But The Last of Us: American Dreams, written by Neil Druckmann with art by Faith Aaron Hicks. Um, this is a four-issue prequel to the first Last of Us game. Um, you know, Marvin, Alex, and I are really big fans of The Last of Us, and I've always wanted to read this comic. And I did see that it is on Hoopla, available to rent. So I thought it was a book that's, you know, it's post-apocalypse. We're uh, going into the month of October. It's a nice little four-issue mini. Um, And we all love the... I don't know. Have any of you guys read this? I was making sure. No. No. Perfect. So, I mean, it's written by the uh, creator of The Last of Us. Um, So, and then Faith Aaron Hicks is from properties such as... I just read it down here. Um... Nothing Can Possibly Go Wrong, that came out in 2013, and some other art. Lumberjanes, uh, I have it up here actually, Lumberjanes. Adventures of Supergirl. All new, all different Avengers, so yeah, a bunch of things here. Um, yeah. It's called the American Dreams? American Dreams. There you go. I just downloaded it, so. Perfect. But I figured, I'm like, we all love The Last of Us, nice little four issue. Get us back in that world. Uh, came out in 2013 in print uh, right by Dark Horse Comics. I believe so. Um, uh, just so we're aware, uh, decent rating on Comixology, so we don't have to worry. <laughs> Not that it matters. Like I said, like I said, it doesn't matter if we read something shitty. Actually, I, I enjoyed our time doing that. Uh, uh, talking about it, not reading it. The other book. Um, I, like, the fun thing is that, again... We did it all together, which is more exciting. The thing we were going to do anyway is talk about books. Sarge is about, about to do it by himself, so, uh, you know, pray I know. for him. Cat, I mean, Sarge, I'm sorry. Spoilers, you're on your own. Uh, we moved on. <laughs> June 13th, Jimmy, June 14th, 2013, the game came out, and this comic came out in November. So it came out a little bit after the comic, or the movie, excuse me, the game, but the same year, yeah. There we go. Excited. Uh, looks like it's about Ellie. Yeah, it looks like it's about Ellie uh, and uh, pre the Left Behind DLC. So it's her first kind of coming into the compound and meeting Marlene for the first time and that kind of setup. So, oh, so you said it's after Left Behind, before Left Behind. So is it Marlene or is it Riley? Well, Marlene and Riley. Okay, okay. But Marlene is probably the bigger name. Did you guys play the Left Behind the Left Behind storyline? Oh, you did, Garrett. Yeah. Did you, Marvin? No, I actually uh, forgot about it until right now. I don't think what? I've ever played it. Good. Tell you what, scary as shit. Yeah, it's damn. That's a, it's a good DLC. I totally recommend. It. And it's kind of like a it's a prequel, but it also has parts that's uh, during the events of The Last of Us. So, all right, I'll check it out. You know what? I totally recommend. I'm probably going to want to check it out after I read this. So, in sixth place beforehand, right? Yep. yep. All right, there we go. Uh, next on the list, let's uh, talk about this book, another finale, Rorschach number 12, Tom King, Jorge Fornes, and Dave Stewart, which actually Dave Stewart is going to be the colors for this book and the next upcoming book. He's a very busy man. Um, the uh, finale of Rorschach in which, so in the last issue, we kind of got him going through all the evidence and figuring out that the uh, Turley, right, uh, yep, yep. Uh, campaign really hired him to make him think 
that Robert Robert Redford's campaign was the one who hired who kind of got those two to try to uh, assassinate Charlie, but then it turned out that Charlie actually and his people did it themselves to kind of get goodwill and trying to get you know voters to feel sympathy for them, but they were going to blame it all on Redford, and they were using him basically as a, a lockie to pin it all on Redford and get Redford taken out of the race and all this stuff like that, which he figured out last issue, and he had to make a decision whether or not to let it lie and not say anything or take justice into his own hands. And uh, I think, boys, I took justice into his own hands. <laughs> yeah, he did. Very, very brutally. So, um, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. You keep going. I was going to say, the whole issue really is is that he walks in, it's Turley, and it is uh, like his right-hand man uh, that we've heard numerous times about. Uh, in this case, Alan. Alan. Alan! Uh, and Alan. and uh, what was that Jurassic Park 3? Alan. Alan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're basically going through it like he's acting like, oh yeah, it's Robert Redford's group and I found out this. It's very intriguing to me and actually so this issue, when I was reading it, I kept thinking being like for somebody who does not give a shit about this story, I bet this issue was boring. But for somebody who's really into the whole political behind of it and like what's really going on, I was at the edge of my seat this whole issue. So I came to this podcast tonight to really be like, Alex, was this issue boring for you? It was so boring. <laughs> I even said, so I read this issue, went to take a pee after because I just had to expel the garbage that I just saw. And I came out going, I bet Marvin loved this because of all the political mumbo jumbo shit. I hated I the whole series. I hated for the fact that it was so politically based. I literally gave no shits. And when he plays the recorder to play, oh, this is the the confession, and I hear the I'm like, oh, good, he finally killed him. To find out, yep, blood all over the place. You know what? That was the most exciting scene I'd seen. And I wanted this to be just a silent issue then. I wanted him to almost be at that point going, what am I doing? He's not even listening to anybody. He's literally just going, what am I going to do? What's what's my choice? And then when he ends up at the movie theater after he's murdered this person, uh, these two people, uh, ran that other kid. Who, what's the kid that he ran off the street? The hit and run that he did. Do we know who that is? Uh... Was that in the last issue? I, don't I thought it ended with him deciding that he was going to be Rorschach. It did end with him because he was like Herm in the elevator or whatever. Okay. Hey, so I don't know who he ran off the interstate or the street, but he killed someone else on his way to go kill these other two people. Anyway, I didn't need any of the political mama jumbo. I was... <sighs> I Okay, so I like this issue more than I like the last issue. Um, I did like how the turn of events like led to um do we know this guy's name no he doesn't have a name okay Ever. he doesn't have a name they and I, and never refer to him by name because i remember last issue i was like because i don't remember names i remember looking it up and they i think the solicitor for this issue was like the detective is what they call them so i don't okay. think he's ever had a name so like 
that whole storyline with all the politics and everything was very interesting, and I think it was a satisfying conclusion to that storyline and the setup. However, I don't think this issue was a great conclusion to the entire arc, or at least the throw-at-us-Rorschach references that this uh, detective... See, the thing I think that really detracts from this whole series is that we get no, like, personality out of this detective. Like, we don't get anything affecting him personally. So, like, when he's so pissed off at the end, I don't feel like that's warranted on his... I mean, I get it. They're, like, innocent people died because of a conspiracy, like, gone wrong. But, like, his, like, outright just, like, oh, disgust and anger and, like, I'm gonna freaking slit your throat with beer bottles, like, I'm like, where's that anger coming from? Because, like, you didn't lose any personal stakes in this for this to affect you this bad. Like, Batman, I mean, Bruce Wayne becomes Batman because his parents are murdered in front of him. But this detective finds out about a crime, and then he's just like, well, now I'm going to murder people because I found my first crime as a detective. Well, I mean, so the whole context um, behind his kind of turn, I feel like, is, so the original Rorschach, um, had a skewed sense of justice, and throughout this whole story, he's found in the other individuals, the uh, Frank Miller and the uh, the uh, comic artist that he found, and in the, the kid, uh, all have a skewed view of justice, whether it be influenced by something else or whether it be influenced by what their own views are. Um, the kid being influenced by her father, and then these others just being influenced by Rorschach's diary, and. So I think by going through the story and reading on how these individuals manipulated those people who were really kind of need help uh, mentally and kind of use them for their own gain, for him, he kind of feels sympathetic about it and he kind of also feels a little empathy being like, and say, yeah, I think justice should be served here. But he knows that they've doctored all the evidence to make it look like uh, a certain way, but he knows it's not that way, but he has no way to really prove it. And so the last issue, his choice is whether or not to let it go or to do something about it. And I think that's why he finally turns into Rorschach is because he finally decides that justice is more important than anything else. Um, and at the the last part when he's in the theater, actually, I feel like that really kind of is Tom King's way of subtly uh, saying what he means or like his thoughts about this, because that um, pirate is like, you know, everybody would tell me I'm outnumbered. You know, why am I doing this? Uh, like, I'm surrounded. Why I shouldn't be doing this. I should just try to get out of here. And he goes, but guess what? In all my travels... Through storms and shine, I must say, I never learned to care for wisdom of God and men. And he's like, have at me, bastards, come in to fight. I die today, I die a pirate. And I think really, and he smiles at the end. And I think that's where his sense of, he finally is like, yeah, I think he finally decides that he's going to fight for justice no matter what. And it doesn't matter whether or not they all come at him. Have at you, I'd rather die as somebody who tried to do something versus somebody who didn't try to do anything. So. Hmm. I will say here to Alex, your great point. detective, but again, personal stakes wise, I get it. Like, but at the same time, that's pretty intense to. Uh, 
to Alex, to your point about the beginning, um, I enjoyed. Here's why I enjoyed it because I know that he knows that it's all fucking fake, and that they f- doctored all this, and the governor Turley clearly knows exactly what went along, and I think he goes there trying to figure out whether or not Turley knew everything that was going on or if it was done around him. And he goes there, and when they get into it, he there's a por- part when he's taking out his cigarettes, and he was like, I knew this, but it's really different hearing it from the horse's mouth. And that's when he was like, oh, okay. And he goes, I got to play you something. And in the last issue, we found that that, that one uh, woman killed herself, killed herself, but they faked her suicide to uh, kind of, she was the only person who probably could have verified that it wasn't, you know, uh, them trying to kill Redford on purpose. And so they killed her and made her look like she had a suicide note or whatever. And so he brought it there and was like, hey, this is a suicide note. And before he plays it, though, he kind of says a couple words, which once again, for me, I'm like this motherfucker because he's kind of kind of using it being like he's talking about, you know, the person on this tape. So I shouldn't say uh, it's not perfect. This person's not she wasn't in the right frame of mind. But he's talking about him, the governor at this time. That's actually going to be on the tape. He's like not the right frame of mind but you should hear it uh especially the beginning part it's the last confession before dying you'll find a lot of people most like to tell their story before they go they hope people will hear it and hope it can change something are you ready and then he plays it and then kills them and then it turns out to be one of Turley's speeches telling his story because he wants people to like his last confession and in a way it i feel like that's a total rorschach thing to do to be like Oh yeah, here's the last confession of this person, and then kills them while playing a speech of the person that he's killing, um, and the person's being like, "You know what? America's gone down the the toilet. We gotta do everything we can. It doesn't matter. We need to get back to how we used to be. We need to do everything. It's time for a revolution." And it is his last confession because he uh, totally realized the only thing he could do to go back to how things were was to basically do this whole plot to get Redford out of office and evil men will prevail if others do not speak up or do anything about it. And he finally decided detective that it wasn't going to happen today. So I don't, I, I enjoyed it. Very, very uh, polar book on this show. I think uh, Garrett's somewhere in the middle. I'm, I'm loving it. And uh, Alex, uh, I don't think he's ever hated uh, a book that I've loved this much before. Alex, what do you think? We usually, I mean, I don't think there's a book that I love that you hate to this kind of level. You and I, I think the weird thing is usually you and I, I'm either a, a subpar of where you're sitting or you and I love a book to death. I mean, like, the I feel like there's one other mind, example. Saga and Deadly Class are like the two that you and I sing high praises for for years. I don't even know if there is another book that I hate I that think, you love. I think, if I remember correctly, maybe you can, and if that steel trap is working tonight, maybe you can verify. Um, I think the first time you read All Star Superman, you know, I loved it, and you were like, "I don't like this at all. Like, it's not good." And then you read it because, like, you read it very early. Have you read comics? That was, that was a book that you gave me when I was first getting into reading, um, and I was that was the one that came to mind. Actually, is is uh, All Star? That the th- first time I read it, what a letdown! Because this is not the Superman that I knew. I knew the the lighthearted. 
non-serious story. And then to get into this book the second time around and enjoy the shit out of it because it was so well written. I finally had gone into a a broader stance of how I read my comic books. Um, But yeah, I remember that one being. I think that was the last one. Major Pooper. It's like my favorite book, and you didn't like it. But then you came back, you came around to it. So you know what? Eventually you might come around to this book, Alex. No, I I will never (laughs) come around to this book. (laughs) This book is the epitome of. I wasted a over a year now reading this book, and I told I've thought this. I hoped tonight was going to be the issue that blew my mind and brought everything full circle. <laughs> and you and know, Tom King nailed the ending. You know, what this reminds me, me of especially was like this is going to be this is the finale in my mind before I even read it. I go either this is going to do that for Alex, where he's like, okay, it ended great, or Tom King is going to take it a little different way and go for the subtle ending and Alex is going to hate this. It's almost kind of like the polar ending of Sopranos and maybe even Lost Garrett. Uh, Some people are Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck's this? Like, really, it's going to end? Spoilers for Lost. Not really. I'm going to keep it very spoiler free. It basically ends with them all hugging and being like, oh, I'm glad we found each other. And be like, you know, it's really kind of like a character moment. This is not a character moment, but you know what I mean. It's very polar about what people's expectations are versus what actually happens. And it could have ended. This could have been a very uh, action-packed uh, issue with uh, if Tom King felt like that needed it. And so I was very intrigued going into it being like, what's this going to be? And uh, it's funny because when I started reading that full scene of them all three talking, I was like, holy shit, Alex is going to hate this. <laughs> I... I... I had no expectations. This is not like uh, No Way Home. I have expectations for how that movie is going to be. This book, I already knew the first 11 issues, excluding number 8 or 9, one of those two, I kind of enjoyed. Whenever he did detective work, I liked that one issue. Uh, I had to, I just left this wide open. If I liked it, hey. great. Hey, if I, I hated it, no surprise. You know what? Speaking of No Way Home, you just brought it up. So, By the way, I'm going to give that issue a 10. I know that's sacrilege to you, Alex. And uh, Garrett, you weren't that high in that, but uh, it's one of my favorite series of the year. So, um, and I love that issue. Uh, but you said No Way Home. It reminded me. I recently was watching. You know, every once in a while, I don't know if you guys have this. Every once in a while, like if YouTube's on in the background and it auto selects the next thing, maybe sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to go. You know, I'll, okay, I'll watch this, but I like I don't want to change it. Uh, or we'll get the remote and change it, whatever. And so it played this compilation of like 2000, it said 2000, tw- uh, 2020 and 2021 movies, which obviously never happened. This came out, this compilation was put together like late 2019. And I kept thinking, be like, this guy was fucking disappointed. None of these movies came out in 2020. <laughs> but one of them was the uh, Morbius movie. Morbius? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. The vampire? Jared Leto? And I forgot in that trailer that Michael Keaton shows up as Vulture. And so that was supposed to be part of the MCU, that movie. and But Venom wasn't, but now we're hearing that he might kind of be. Uh, and uh, I just find it weird. Like, why would they choose Mobius? Mobius? Morbius. Morpheus. What the fuck's his name? Whatever the vampire is who I fucking hate. Um, in any co- anytime, any time, any story I've ever read <laughs> by that guy, I've never liked or read of that guy. Um but it seems so weird that they'd be like, yeah, put that one in the MCU. Venom? Fuck that shit. Put it over there. Put it over there. Put him in the system. Uh, I'm going to go with a three, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's higher than I thought you'd give it up. 
I, well, I couldn't give it a one. The art is very good. Uh, the blood splatter, very good. The somehow no one screamed, how did he kill both those guys in one fell swoop? It's not like he took out a knife and cut I think them. They, didn't he they broke the bottles in their necks. They screamed. They say, what are you doing? And stuff like that. Mm. I don't know. The recording wasn't but, of actually the girl. It was them. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of Turley, but... The question, anyway. the qu- better question is, Alex, how did that security guard outside not hear them? Well, that's what I'm saying. They, they must not have screamed very loud, or he's that efficient at killing people. Anyway, I'm going to give it a three. I'm still a, a nice man. I just, it's Bad way security. below average. And as a whole, uh, I'm going to give it a one. Wow. Um, this is the worst series I've read in a long time. Outside <laughs> of uh, whatever that Justice book was. No Justice, Unjustice. Unjustice League, whatever. The End League? It's your fucking book. I don't even know. I, that's how bad it was. I don't even remember what it's called. The Unleague. Garbage. The Unleague. <laughs> the Unmade. I'm actually going to give this a 7. Um, I thought this issue was stronger. Uh, way stronger than the last issue, anyways. Um, I thought that they wrapped up the Turley Robert Redford storyline really well. Did this need to be a Rorschach book? That's where I say no. I think, I don't know, like, besides the Herm and, like, you know, fighting for justice, which he's already a detective, why would he not fight for justice? But I guess you can be Rorschach and murder people to get justice. But again, I don't think this should have been I a think, Rorschach book. I, I feel like this could have been a Tom King exclusive yeah. book on its own uh, rather than a Rorschach book. I agree with so that. I, I think yeah, it seven. subtly uses, I, I agree with that. I think it subtly uses Watchmen enough that it could just been its own thing. Like, it's not very right. blatant on its use of Watchmen. It definitely fits the Rorschach character and definitely fits, like, what it uses, but it's not necessary. Like, you can still make yeah. the same point without it being Rorschach, I feel like. So, uh, And I still am not a fan of the choice not to personalize the detective. Like, we know nothing about him the entire time. And so, like, the stakes at the end for that detective, I'm still, like, I didn't feel that. I, I liked how the story wrapped up. I didn't like that. We didn't know anything about him. He, him becoming Rorschach, basically, didn't like any of that. So, Do, is, do we learn about... I gotta have, you know, I used to read Watchmen once a year, and my memory's horrible. But I, haven't, I never haven't read it, actually. I didn't read it in 2020. Didn't feel like it, I needed to read that book in 2020. And I haven't read it this year, actually. Um, but do you get any of Rorschach's backstory? Yeah, I mean, sort of. Uh, Walter Kovacs, and he was, uh, I think he was an orphan. His wife, wasn't his mom a prostitute? Yeah, mom was a prostitute, okay. and she ended up getting murdered, and then I kind of okay. sent him his way. I was going to be like, I don't think we learned anything about the original Rorschach either, but I think we learned a little bit about him. So, uh, Oh, yeah, and he he's is the a- guy holding the end is nice sign all the time. <laughs> Uh, spoilers. Next on the list here, spoilers. Uh, Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino, Dave Stewart, as I mentioned, did the last coloring too. But speaking about art that we enjoy, uh, and another uh, prolific writer, uh, Primal. How do you say this, Alex? Primo. Primordial. Primordial. About two monks, two monkeys, two monks, two monkeys uh, <laughs> that go into space. What are their names? Uh, uh, Baker and um, Adrian. No shit. What was it? Alba. There you go. Really? No, that's not right. 
pretty sure. Baker and something. I, I'll look it up. I can't remember. I know it's Baker. Oh, here it is. Abel. 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 Yeah. Abel. So there's two there's two uh, storylines within this issue, uh, A and B story. The uh, A story, I will say, um, is this uh, engineer gets told to come to the space um, station. Space station? No, what do you call that? Command That's center. And basically being like <laughs> command center, and basically being like, okay, uh, you're here because you're smart enough to know which one of these things is useful still for the military, and what we can just throw away. You're not here to do anything scientific. You're not here to do anything about space. And he's like, what the fuck? You're gonna come here to be me to just basically figure out what to take and what to take? He's like, hey man, you're the smartest guy to do it. Get to work. And he already accepted the job, so he's got to do it. So it starts that way with him. And we kind of kind of learned throughout this comic that the space program was shut down. So maybe this is an alternate timeline where they don't go to space. We don't make it to space. And the Russians also don't go to space after a couple of failed experiments. One with the Able and what, Steve? What was his name? Steve the dog? Baker. Laika. No, Laika, what's the other, what's the other monkey's name? Baker and Able. Baker and Able. And uh, yeah, like uh, uh, the dog, uh, Laika. And from the Russians. And after those two experiments, because they thought that they died or they said that they died in orbit, uh, they were basically like, shut it down. No more space, which in real life, I believe didn't that happen, Alex? I believe in real life it happened. Um, I think we did send monkeys to space. And I know with that Sputnik 2 is a, a real story. I just keep forgetting that. that you know what? Skew, you know what honestly skews my memory of whether or not the dog actually died is Manhattan Projects because in that comic book, he doesn't die, and he actually is part of the Manhattan Project team. And so I'm like, but is that fake too? I know, I know that's fake. He's not obviously a fucking part of that. So he doesn't have machine guns. <laughs> but I don't remember if he survived or if that's their explanation of what happened to him. I think it's their explanation of what happened to him. I think he actually died in real life too. But we didn't stop going to space because of that. It were in this timeline, this alternate timeline, we did. Well, it turns out he finds these sheets and he finds basically the heartbeats of the uh, uh, Abel and Baker and finds that their heartbeats went past the point at which they were supposed to die and or have been dead or reported that in, in publicly. And he calls his superiors like, what the fuck? Look what I found. I got their heartbeats past it up to 247. And he's like, what are you doing? You're there to figure out what has military what doesn't. And uh, a, un- he clicks the phone basically. He doesn't want to hear anything about it, about it anymore. Next day he shows up, say no can go, no entry. Uh, get out of here. And then he gets back to his car. Somebody's like, just drive. He's like, who are you? And he's like, you learned something you weren't supposed to, but it's true. If you want to know more, let's go. He basically kind of hires, it feels like he's hiring him to look into it more. And he says, hey, by the way, those animals did not die. They were taken. And the B storyline we have is seeing this happen in real time to the uh, uh, Steve and Abel Baker. Uh, Baker and Steve. Baker and Steve. Baker and Abel. You know the joke of saying Steve. Now I can't get Steve out of my head. Baker and Abel. Uh, and, you know, they kind of have like a... They hit Steve this. is from uh, Claudio the Chance of Meatballs. Well, you know what happened? Blue's, Blue's Clues had its recent anniversary, 25 years. And uh, I bit, I've had Steve on the mind, so... Anyways, Steve... Uh, Jesus Christ. Baker and Abel uh, hit a, a event horizon, it looks like, and eventually turned into... Uh, it even says down here, Pink Floyd. 
Uh, it's, it looks like the cover of the Dark Side of the Moon. And uh, they end up in the ship, and uh, they're like, eek, eek, eek. And uh, somebody, something comes down. Turns out it's Laika, and she says, hello. And uh, that's how we end with this one. So we have a conspiracy that the space program was shut down because these animals were taken by what? We don't know. And it looks like that our protagonist may be getting a second chance to, um, does he have a name? Dr. Penn Baker Penn Penn Broom or Baker. something like that. Well, it was, it was, the project was, uh, Penn something. Pen cap. Pen cap. He is. But his name was Dr. Pembroke or something. Oh, like here that. it is. Dr. Donald Pembroke. And uh, basically, he's under. He's now wrapped up in this conspiracy and possibly maybe being uh, told to let's go figure out what happened to these guys. They got taken by God knows what. And we also are seeing now exactly the storyline as it happened with these uh, animals. And uh, it's a six issue mini by Jeff Lemire. Uh, not this wins, just the one. And uh, Andreas Sorrentino, which these guys have worked together before and getting involved. Dave Stewart at this time popping in on colors. Right? He didn't do Gideon Falls, yep. did he? I'm going to check because I don't want to be wrong on this. Gideon I, Falls. Uh, Go ahead. Alex. The one thing I had to, I want to mention, did, did Sorrentino change his art for when we show up to the, the horizon? Where Laika shows up and says hello? Because there's a, a time where one of the monkeys, the rhesus monkey, turns and looks behind at the scroll monkey. And that face looks ridiculous. And it bothered the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, I am wrong. Dave Stewart did do the colors for uh, Getting Falls. So I am wrong huh. there. Of course. Um, one, everything that's good. Which one looks weird? The rhesus monkey. So when they're on the 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 last like two pages, when they're looking around saying, E-E-A-U-A-A. The Reese's looks behind at the squirrel monkey, but the way the like it almost looks like Hit Monkey from Marvel. <laughs> when we get done with that, and it bothered yeah, me. It might be a little smart monkey. You don't know. Okay. The, the man knows how to draw humans, all right. Yeah, but even his mon- even his monkey work was good when they were taken off. So I assumed it almost had to be like a re readjustment to show that we're at a different place. What the Whatever they're at does look more colorful and does look less um looks rough. Yeah, it looks more solid. It actually looks a lot like Manhattan Projects that aren't. So, okay. Uh, Garrett, what were you going to say? I didn't say anything. Oh, you um, I mean, if I had to say something, got to be honest with you guys, I was bored shitless by this issue. Um, I The art style was different from what Sorrentino normally does, and that's okay. I thought that was okay, but like there was no hook for me in this. Besides, there's some monkeys and a dog that are still in space that were thought to be dead. I was like, "Whoa, space, crazy!" So, what a planet. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was expecting way more than what we got in issue one, and I thought the story was okay. Like, I I read it and I was like, "Okay, sure." I mean, again stakes like i'm just like what's okay i know it's issue one but when you got six issues to tell a story and the first issue is like yeah there's a monkey and dog in space uh they didn't come back to earth they're they probably died but maybe they didn't okay i i think my problem i had is that i actually wanted more monkey and dog and less human conspiracy problems 
I thought the like, human thought part that's... was more interesting than the animals. Oh, oh really? Oh. Fighting words. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, I actually, I really enjoyed this. Um, I wanted to say that my, my, you know, my criteria for almost the first issue is whether or not by the end of it, it's enough that it doesn't spoil the whole story but also does not tell me like there's a lot of first issues that tell you nothing. And there's some first issues that it's just like, whoa, well, this is a lot of stuff. Um, it needs to be enough to be like, I know where this is going and I'm intrigued enough to continue. And I feel like that's where I'm at. Um, I really enjoyed the art in this issue and I enjoyed both aspects of the story. I do agree. The conspiracy stuff I felt like was uh, stronger, but we really didn't get much of the other storyline. I feel like to make a decision. I do think the best, uh, the best panel in this book is the is the uh, monkey storyline in which one of the monkeys is uh, screaming and it's like that yellow purple that green one. Oh, yeah. that's such a good two page spread. Um, and there's like a million mini panels in between um, of them basically like three four seconds of their life one two three four yeah four seconds of their life on that on the ship and what happens in four seconds. Um, and so, from that standpoint, and also, uh, not that this matters, but I am a real big uh, fan of the history of the space program. I know a lot about it. And uh, so, this intrigued me that it was an alternate take on that. So, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Here you go. Hmm. I think I'll only keep going just because of the creative team I know has the potential to be really good, but... The second issue, issue and didn't know they were has fucking wishbone like in a in a in a helmet. I would so book. One, I'm gonna give it a seven. I did enjoy parts of it. That two page spread was phenomenal. Almost gives it an eight, but that I just no. I'll save that for later. Uh, I, by the way, a hundred percent better than uh than that shit I read prior to that. I knew <laughs> I had to read Rorschach first. Uh, I know at the end of this book, I'll still respect Jeff Lemire, but you know what, Tom King? You're lowering yourself on my list when you write I read it in the same order. Does. I'm going to give this one a nine. I really enjoyed it. Uh, since I thought it was okay and I thought it wasn't the best Sorrentino art and the story didn't really go, I'm going to go five. Just, hey, Alex. Like average. What's hmm. what's the breed of that dog? Looks like a terrier of some sort. Jack Terrier? Possibly. What was... Um, Rat Terrier? There you go. I should think. What was Wishbone? It does. If you look at the cover compared to the last panel of the actual comic, that the breeds look different. Um, so I'm going to go off of that cover because that looks more detailed. Now it does look like Wishbone. So you know, Wishbone, that motherfucker did a lot for a dog. So mm-hmm. just like he was this, a good adventurer, good detective. Yeah, he could get Batman run for his money. That's what we cross over the world needs: Wishbone Batman. Maybe after the the fables crossover, they can do Wishbone. You, you better believe that if uh, I had the opportunity to write Batman, Wishbone's going to be in there. So, Wednesday Comics six hundred five at gmail dot com. It's an email address you can email us at if you so much feel like it. 605-215-1849. Give us a call like Sarge did. And Alexa will answer. Um, go to WednesdayComics.com for more information on how to subscribe to the show. Also, click on the website link on that page to visit our merch page. 
Uh, thank you to our sponsors, RootsOfTheSwampThing.com, Defender Source for all things swampy, and RainbowComicsAndCars.com, uh, your Defender Source for all things comic-y. And uh, while you're online, go to Twitter and go to at Wednesday Comics to uh, see our main account, or you can follow us individually at Karat2188, at uh, the AP Keaton, at Marvin underscore Sogworld. And also, don't forget, uh, happy birthday, Alex, this week. Thank you. By the time this episode comes out, wish him a happy birthday on the 25th? 23rd. You're close. 23rd. 23rd. Uh, on the 23rd, so it, it's going to be uh, very close to when this episode comes out. I think I'm going to try to plop this on that Wednesday. Send him an early one. Who gives this? The, the moment you hear this. Whether it be this year or if you're listening to this and it's 2025, just say happy birthday, Alex. Belated. I love I love belated birthdays. That's when I know you care. <laughs> I'm gonna send him one tomorrow saying happy belated birthday from 2020. <laughs> you care so much that you fucked up that you still said happy birthday. Hey, I still respect that. I actually forgot my brother-in-law's birthday three weeks after. I was like, shit, I still gotta send it to him. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You want time is <laughs> time is like moving through molasses right now, but also like moving like Sonic the Hedgehog. I it need like it feels like molasses, but then when you look at the date, you're like, holy shit, it's been a week. Um, maybe not for Alex. Alex actually uh, uh, works outside the how the home, but working at the home, it feels like I don't know what day it is today. Um, you have to get try to get out of the house to feel that way. So, uh. Also remember, go to supercon.com to get your tickets to Supercon October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, we'll be there the second for a show. Uh, more details to come later. Go to supercon.com supercon.com for more information on the Heroes Come Coming uh, 2021. Which actually, guys, I'm not going to lie, totally forgot was next week. Um, it's and, coming quick. And so I was like, that's it. That's I have not week? forgotten because I have time off next week. Super stoked. So do I. And that's how I remembered. That was because somebody said, hey, you got next, you're gone early uh, next Friday. And I said, yeah. And they go, why am I gone next early next Friday? I go, oh, yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, uh, check out what's going on there and you, uh, you might see us. Uh, you might see uh, a bit I have planned. I'm not sure. I'm still deciding whether that's go through with it. We'll see. But, uh, uh, Join us at Supercon <laughs> 2021. Good show. You know, fantastic books this week, right, Alex? Right, Garrett? It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm disappointed. Like, this is one of those weeks where I actually thought it was going to be phenomenal. Like last week where I missed out, which I read both those books, and they're fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. This, last this week, week was gold, but yeah, this yeah. week was a cockapoo-poo. Hey, it had, it had a cockapoo-poo, and then it had like a, yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Shit. <laughs> oh, I think it was fantastic. I had a great week this week, and uh, we'll see next week with what's coming out. Uh, next week, a little sparse, um, but there are a couple great things coming out, or at least things that we're aware of. Some brand new stuff, Frontier Man, to see if that's going to really hit or not. And then uh, we got this uh, Last of Us look forward to. So, um, oh, actually, before we go here, I wanted to mention I went to the library uh, um, to bring my kids to the library, but. I also uh, perused uh, some things for myself, and I rented, uh, borrowed two comics. One, uh, two brothers from Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, our fantastic uh, uh, team from uh, uh, Day Trippers. So I'm going to read that, maybe cry. And uh, then the uh, complete collection of Ether by uh, Matt Kent, 
Matthew Ken, Mike, what's his name? Matt Ken and uh, David Rubin. So uh, I'm excited to check that out. That's why I was asking you guys, being like, who read this? Because uh, I did. I saw that they had the complete collection. By the way, this thing is a, f- you could kill somebody with this thing. Um, and I was like, I know they snuck in like three series of that, of ether in like two years. Yeah. It's this thing is the whole thing, Garrett, oversized. Um, and I was intrigued by, I opened it and I was like, it's too intriguing to look at this art at this kind of uh, format to not borrow this. So, um, so I'll borrow it, read it, possibly, uh, commit homicide with it. Um, uh, I'm not saying I'm going to Garrett, listen, possibly. All right. I might put a tape recorder in front of people and they might start listening to it. And I might start taking them out. Who knows? This thing is probably, I'm not going to lie, it's probably 15 pounds. Damn. You know what? Actually, I do have a scale in the house and I will let you all know how much it weighs. It is pretty heavy. So, um, you know what else is heavy? The comics came out this week, and I feel like I need a little break, so I'll see you next week. For Wednesday Comics, I've been Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone, stay healthy, and keep turning those pages. Oh,